I'm Chris Ryan. Here we are, back where we belong, talking about basketball and what's going on with all these players. We're not talking about basketball. We're no. talking about off-court issues. We're talking about like personnel. Yeah. This is like this is kind of like HR for the NBA. That's good. Yeah. NBA HR. Yeah, NBA HR. Um, let's begin with big news today, which is that Andy Miller, one of the top agents on the NBA, has given up his player agent certification in the wake of this Adidas and NCAA basketball scandal. Yeah, you won't find this on the front page of ESPN.com. It's not necessarily the most important story in basketball if you're just like, hey, who won last night? Who's right. doing well? But man, this is a big one. This is this is actually quite big. So he was the, the college age, basketball yeah. scandal is metastasizing. Yes. And so he was implicated from the beginning. There was a raid on his office in and northern New Jersey, I think yeah, is where he's located. And yeah. like computers were taken. There was a there was a big Yahoo story about this a couple of weeks ago. Right yeah, we could just kind of talk a little bit about who Andy is as like I mean, I'd say Andy like as if as we know as, him. as if I co host the watch with him. Uh <laughs> Andy Miller is a longtime agent, is considered sort of one of the four or five most powerful agents. Mm -hmm. He had his own agency called ASM, and I remember him hearing about him early on. He was Garnett's agent. Yes. Um, And he sort of steered Garnett's career. He was a a Chauncey Billups' agent. So I remember kind of hearing about him in the mid-2000s, early 2000s, when those guys were at their peaks. And over the last few years, he's represented Kyle Lowry. He's represented Kristaps famously, and I think that as a Sixers fan, I recall Kristaps's unwillingness to work out for mm-hmm. the Sixers. And uh, recently, he was the recipient. He he won the Dwight Howard sweepstakes when Dwight Howard left Dan Fagan in 2016. Yeah, and Andy Miller guided him to the Hornets. Yes, he also has Ibaka. Kyle Lowry, or Hat, I should say. Mm-hmm. And apparently most of the players are staying with the agency, though they won't be represented by Miller. Yeah, and he's got a couple of younger players like uh, Justin Patton mm-hmm. and uh, Miles Turner. Yes. Yeah. Um, so this is a pretty big deal. Like yeah. one of the agents sort of like, ta- he's basically tapping out. And also like, it makes you wonder like what's coming next that he agreed to this. Right. So basically. the guy who worked for him, Christian Dawkins, was yeah. one of the guys named in the initial sort of- I believe he was arrested. Dragnet of FBI- <laughs> Uh, FBI arrests that included a couple of prominent assistant coaches at places like Auburn, USC, and USC. And then this guy, Christian Dawkins, who worked for ASM, was, he was, was part of yeah. this initial and, round of arrests. Right. And Dawkins had been fired last uh, spring or summer when it came out that he had charged $40,000 to a, a player on, in all Uber rides. Yeah. The name of the player never came out. Do you think you could put together forty grand in Uber rides in a year? I take Uber a lot, like a lot, and I, I don't think so, no. Yeah. Like, that's really hard. Like, that's like, that's insane. I guess if you took 50 airport trips. I don't know. That's like, that's $109 per day. That's a lot. An airport trip is $35 to my home in Los Feliz to Do you think pool? No. Oh. Uber X. Okay. It's way cheaper than a cab, man. I <laughs> know. I'm um, aware of that, but I don't pay 35. I'm wondering if I'm getting the short end of the stick. Um, the other thing about Christian Dawkins is he was being sued by Willie Reed mm-hmm. for a $13.5 million arbitration because he says that they um, 
ASM had like convinced him to turn down a $15 million offer from the Heat, though the Heat denied that offer ever existed. So there's just a lot of like messiness going on yes. around Andy Miller before this even came today. I'm just wondering like who else? Like, is there anyone else who's going to be involved in this? Like, I don't know. There's so, there's so many questions and just not a lot of answers. The only information that we have on this is from a very short particularly by his standards, Woj report that came out this morning, 9.30 Pacific time. So we don't know what's next, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on and like kind of the center, for me, the center of intrigue off the court right now. Yeah, this will either be sort of the last lap of this story in some ways or the first lap because there's a money quote from a Pat Ford, Pete Thamel article from last month, which is from a head coach at a perennial top 25 college program, according to this is, I'm reading from Dan Devine's Yahoo sort of roundup of all this information. And the quote from Pat and Pete's piece is, Andy Miller's computer has got to be interesting because the FBI took his computer. Right. He has lived on the edge for a long time. He has some expletive on a lot of people. I don't have anything on my computer. I got to be completely Cause, honest. Because all in the cloud? Like, I'm just not a person who keeps records. <laughs> I'm the anti, I'm not the, I'm not like you. I'm not an archivist. There's not a lot of photography of me. The NBA is a business conducted over text message primarily, uh-huh. and I just wonder like what that means for these kinds of probes these days. I don't know. It's really fascinating, and also like now these players are going to be like potentially poached, which is another interesting yeah. The two thing. big ones to keep an eye on are Kristaps, who I believe ASM employed his brother. His brother, yeah. Kristaps and Miles are both going to be up. Yeah, next their deals year. will be up. Yeah, yeah. so that, those are the two interesting ones. If someone could sign them before they sign their next deal, or presu- both Turner and Kristaps, particularly Kristaps, will presumably get really large contracts. It's a big payday for someone. Do you someone. think that there's been more agent volatility in the last couple of years, or is it just that we're paying attention to it more? Because, I mean, there's been a lot. Obviously, the Fagan stuff was big. Yeah. And, you know, Wall and DeAndre. I feel like the DeAndre emoji kidnapping scandal was the original sin. And now since then, there's just been a lot of like, I'm leaving my agent. We were discussing this this morning. It's very hard for me to tell because I'm so obsessed with agenting and like what that, and like how that, the levers are being pulled behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely like like agents are more famous. Like, first of all, Bob Myers and Rob Polinka are two GMs who used to be agents. And um, Arntellum, Arntellum is, yeah. you know, works for the Pistons as like, in, uh, as a very high up in the front office. So like they definitely have more of a presence over the league. I mm-hmm. guess as it's matured, the influence of like the behind the scenes deals have become have come to light even more. So yeah. and also like shoe deals are such a big part of like a, um analyzing someone's star power and like their value. Like yeah. it was funny when Kevin Durant went to Golden State. Like a lot of it was like this is really good for his endorsements. And so that's like as much of his business. And he he even says that. I mean that's why he took a lesser deal, he says. Sure. And that runs through his agency and like yeah. and his business partner. So I guess we are there's more information available about them. Yeah. I, I guess so. I, I guess so. And, yeah. And I think that there has been so much so like in soccer, there's really nothing in it for an agent unless you're trying to get that guy a, a transfer. Right. And you can transfer us I mean, yeah, you have contracts, but you can just basically be like, there's already talk about Neymar leaving Paris. And that only benefits his father, who has a huge role in his career and gets paid a commission, essentially, every time Neymar signs a new big deal. So if he were to somehow orchestrate a move from Barcelona to Paris to Real Madrid over the course of a couple of seasons, that'd be a huge windfall for him. And by that same token, in the NBA, we're seeing more and more player movement, huge like huge names moving. All these guys are on two-year deals, three-year deals. I think that this is only going to become a bigger story because these agents are, it's, it's in the agent's best interest to get someone a new deal and sure. move and get different sneaker deals. And 
it's that churn that, that's where they make their money. Nobody makes money off of like, oh, I signed a seven-year deal. Right. That's the last contract of my life. And to that extent, DeAndre Jordan signed mm-hmm. with a new agent this week. Yes. He signed with Excel and Jeff Schwartz, which is um, – Interestingly, the same agency that Blake Griffin, his teammate, has. Mm. And yeah, and like, and DeAndre's in all these trade talks. And there's a lot of speculation that Clutch was good. He was going to sign with Clutch. Yes. And he is up for a new deal. He can opt out at the end of the season. So yeah, it's time to, He's time also to get an agent. a trade target. And a trade target, right. And, he, and the trade talks were being held up because teams weren't sure if he was like legitimately interested or not. Oh, interesting. Well, or basically, like, if, if people wouldn't know if he would resign or not. Oh, so he was apparently on the block at various points, yeah. but nobody was sure who to contact, like, kind of in regards to him. Exactly. Interesting. Because teams don't want to trade for a player that, like him, who's just going to like give up something good for DeAndre Jordan for him to leave after, at the end of the season, basically. Yeah. I wonder so, what's going to happen to the trade market in general. We were talking about this with Riverboat Willie Simmons the other day. And yeah. he's just like, I don't know how teams, you know, he's, we were just talking about how hard it is to just kind of feel like there's an obvious trade. Right. And I think, you know, Mark Gasol and DeAndre Jordan have been kicked around a little bit. Obviously, Paul George is a name you're going to hear, but I have a really hard time believing that Sam Presti is just going to be like, oh, yeah, this was a failed experiment. Yeah, I agree with you. And also to the DeAndre and Mark Gasol point, I've talked about this with Gonzo. We've talked about it in our office. Like, where do you send those, the kind of, like, more traditional big men? Like, it's just, like, as Steve Kerr discussed in the BS pod, like, the role of big men has changed so much. Their niche. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's not like they're, like, Paul George could fit on so many teams, like, contracts aside, like, his skill set could fit on so many teams, which is one of the reasons why he was such, like, a delicious trade target. Mm-hmm. But it's much harder with Marcus Gasol, even well, though I he, wonder he whether could or, be more talented by some metrics. I wonder whether or not this this sort of happened with big men for a while, uh... 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but now there is basically a shooter's drought. There's not enough shooters to supply the demand for shooters. Right. So the people that you think like, oh man, if they could just, if the Sixers could just add a shooter, if the Pistons could add another small forward, if it's just, there's not enough guys to go around. And furthermore, a team that could maybe incrementally improve like the Pistons, like, I don't know, like even Cleveland. Sure. What would you want to give up? Because you're sacrificing depth. Depth has like been the the biggest thing of the year this year is like teams that can go ten deep and play like even teams like Toronto who have like just good active benches and can weather Toronto any storm has continuity at this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like with the Cavs, David Griffin was like on NBA TV saying he wouldn't trade for DeAndre Jordan. That meant giving up Tristan Thompson, even if like he could fit in better. And like he had a lot of reasons, but I, I do think also part of that is the continuity. That's like kind of the key to the Spurs. Like the reason like they're still like being viable at all without both. Kawhi and Tony Parker for mm-hmm. a while and still now without Kawhi is because of the continuity because of like the system. Yeah. And so even if you don't have like a great system like they do, there is something to be said for like knowing how to play together. I mean, we're watching with the Thunder. They don't know how to play together and it's tough. They don't know how to play together. And let's get into the frustration power rankings. Oh, what a great, great transition. Because we were going to talk about a bunch of these teams that are having a little. I think that there has been like a little bit of an NFLification mm-hmm. of NBA discourse where I think we're always kind of concentrate co- talking about crisis points and is this team are they good capital G or are they bad capital B and the NBA just doesn't really work like that teams just go through bad stretches scheduling yeah. has a lot to do with it I would say that these first few days of December with the maybe the exception of the Thunder who have just won three in a row anyway that most teams are just experiencing like Oh, yeah, there's a lot of games to play, yeah. and injuries happen, and we have back-to-backs. So I don't get overly upset or nervous about a Wizards game where they score 69 points because they know John Wall, and they've been on the road for a while. Yeah, you know? it um, happens. Yeah. Let's talk about the Wolves, though. Sure. A lot of activity around the Wolves today. They're sitting in five in the West. They're 14 and 11, and their body language isn't great. 
Kevin O'Connor and then Paulo Ugetti on our website, they both addressed how Tibbs is playing an eight-man rotation with, like, ridiculous minutes for mm-hmm. his main guys, and we're still in December. They've only played 25 games, so it's just over a quarter of the season. Um, and they don't look like a team having fun. My paradigm for no frustration is the Rockets right now, as crazy as that may be. And the Wolves are kind of the anti-Rockets. There's a lot of, like, um, Taj Gibson and Jimmy Butler telling guys where to go mm-hmm. on the court, and there's a lot of Carl Anthony Towns not playing defense. Yes, Carl Towns keeps putting up absurd numbers. On any given night, you'll just be like in your head working on a Carl Towns is struggling narrative. And then you'll look and he has 32 and 15. Right. But he is the odd man out on this team, you can tell. Like just from visually watching him and watching Jimmy get on him and watching him not know really what he's supposed to be doing on defense. I don't know what the answer is going to be because I don't think that you can give up on a Tibbs administration this early. Kevin O'Connor was sort of advocating for that on the Ringer NBA show on Tuesday, and I saw that that topic blew up on Reddit. It's a hot topic. And there was very little disagreement. There was mostly people being like, yeah, we've, like, Tibbs has just kind of got found out. We were saying the same thing about Stan Van Gundy. It's true. Like, couple days into the season, like maybe the game's past standby, maybe players don't want to be yelled at on every play, and the the Pistons have gone on to be one of the success stories of the season. So I still think that there's plenty of room for the Timberwolves to turn it around, and some would argue that there really isn't anything to turn around because they're having a plenty good season. Yeah, they're uh, 14 and 11. That's good. Yeah, I mean, it's they'd, I'm sure they'd like to be, you know, 17, 17 and 9 or sure. whatever, but I think that for the most part, Four and six in the last 10 is indicative of some struggles, but they're still fifth in the West in a competitive West. Yes, that's true. Okay, next team, the Thunder. They've won three in a row. Right. But not a convincing three in a row. They're still 11 and 12, and they're ninth in the conference right behind the Pelicans. And then the Jazz are right in front of the Pelicans. So seven, eight is Jazz, Pelicans, then Thunder. Yeah. Who do you think is the most unhappy on this team? Probably Westbrook. Okay. But only because I think— the idea that what Russell Westbrook is not aware of public perception is ridiculous. Totally. So let's just say like Russ is aware of that. I don't remember a sharper drop off in approval rating for an MVP in my lifetime, ex- with the exception of maybe people turn on Iverson as like, can you win with him pretty yeah. fast, especially with all the stuff that happened with Larry Brown at the end of the Sixers there. But just people regularly kind of being like, you can't win can't with win Russ. With this guy. Which I find a little ridiculous because he has won way more than Paul George and Carmelo. Sure. With Kevin Durant yeah. as a sideman. Yeah. And through dragging his team to the playoffs and losing in the first round. Yes. But even so, that team was like, seemed to have more joy. Had I, Maybe it was Ennis Cantor. Maybe you need that guy as your locker room glue guy. Well, I mean, I think that they were a folk story last year. They were sure. built around this sort of hero worship of Russ and then you specifically bring in two extra guys to help him and to make a run I still think that they're gonna get into the upper half of the Western Conference I think that they, they they'll they like figure it out even if it means Mello playing less or coming off the bench or just shooting less but I do think that they're gonna look back and maybe regret going after Mello I, I would do that deal seven out of seven days of the week for Cantor for Mello but I just think that there's something about watching Paul George and Russell Westbrook that really makes sense. And when they have Mello in there, I've seen a couple of Thunder games where they've been up 7 or 8 or 11, and they bring Mello back in the fourth quarter, 
and I can't help but make the association with sure. defensively and also with his with his style of play that it really you can't have two ball stoppers on the court at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Billy Donovan had an interesting quote today, which was coming off his three games, um, Stephen Adams is playing really well. He's averaging 22 points and eight boards. And so Billy Donovan was like, that credit has to go to Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, like for being like unselfish yeah. and, and facilitating it. And I just thought that was very interesting ego management. It just seems like there's a lot to be massaged in that situation. I mean, it must be frustrating to lose all those fourth quarters. Although last night they beat the Jazz by four. Mm-hmm. And it and included, had a good fourth quarter, right? it, Like they outscored them by 20 points in the fourth, I believe. Yeah. Something close to that. Yeah. So that's positive. I really want the Thunder to turn around. Obviously, like Russ, I for some reason root for Paul George. And I like the latter days of Carmelo Anthony. I like adult Mello. I like, I like adult Mello, too. There's a really good Jason Concepcion piece on The Ringer this week about the three Mellows. NBA mellow, Olympic mellow, and hoodie mellow. Yes. And us sort of like waiting for Olympic mellow to take over NBA mellow's career and, and how long we're going to have to wait for that. Uh, is there a couple other teams that you wanted to talk about frustration-wise? Um, We were going to say the Nuggets, but they're having a actually fine season. <laughs> yeah, they're totally fine. Um, considering they, the fact that they're without Millsap. I know, which is pretty crazy. Like, yeah. I, I'm I'm pretty impressed. They are currently fourth at a 13 and 10. I will just say in general, I feel like there's more parity across the league than mm-hmm. we were expecting this season. I think that there's a top three or four teams, and they are far beyond everybody yeah. else. The Cavs, the Celtics, the Rockets, and the Warriors are just much better than yes. everyone else. But let's talk about the Warriors, because Steph is hurt. Yeah, and before Steph was hurt, Steve Kerr went on Bill, was pretty open about the malaise yes. that they're facing and the, the the prospect of another long season and another long playoffs. And I don't know necessarily, like, they're... As of today, they're 19, 19 and, and six. six. They're half a game behind the Rockets, who are 18 and four. Right. And uh, Katie's been thrown out three times. Three times. Year, and now Steph's out for at least two to three weeks with this ankle sprain. Yeah. And they don't seem to have the same bounce in their step. I just want to say, I. I predict Steph will be out four to six weeks is my guess. But Oh, you think he's going gonna... to... I'm not a doctor. I literally am. I have no information, but I just think that two to three weeks seems unnecessarily fast. And also, yeah. like an unnecessarily fast. I guess it kind of depends on how it goes without him. But why would you rush him back if, if you're doing okay? As somebody who has uh, experienced several two to three week diagnoses <laughs> with Markel Fultz this year, I agree with your skepticism. I literally forgot Markel Fultz is in the league. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see the Kevin Durant Warriors, which Charks wrote about today. I'm excited to see what this team looks like. Mm-hmm. It's just the inverse of what we saw last year when Durant went out. And it's kind of like your time, dude. Like, let's let's see what you got. Yeah, try not to get tossed. Try not to get tossed. Who do you think would have actually won a Boogie versus Durant fight? Boogie. No, yeah. there's no question in my mind. What do you think? <laughs> I can't tell whether Boogie is a school bully or not. And, like, if you just go back at him, he, like, gets freaked out. I find... The people that Boogie chooses to have beefs with, like Myers Leonard, to be curious. Uh, and reportedly Nick Stauskas. Yeah. I mean, just okay. go after Taj Gibson. <laughs> I bet he would. I'm, go I'm, after David West. I think he would go after David West, too. Although I think David West is a better shot than Kevin Durant against Boogie. I kind of like David West. I don't know. I have a real softness for the Frank Vogel Pacers teams. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last biggest news of the week is LeVar Ball. Pulled Leangelo Ball out of UCLA, and Uh this is relevant because the Ball family is dominant in basketball 
pro and amateur and apparently European as well, since he's trying to get both Mellow and Jello on a team over there. Um, and because I spoke to LeVar Ball last Friday. Today is Ooh. Wednesday, December 6th. I spoke to him on Friday, December 1st, and we're going to play that interview shortly. I spoke to him because he was doing press for this streaming series he's on called The Fifth Quarter. And in it, I asked him about Leangelo, basically. Mm-hmm. And he talked about um, his desires for his future. And I was really caught off guard by it, to be honest. I was like, oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. So we'll we'll hear that interview. But, like, do you have ball family fatigue, Chris? Uh, No, I don't. But I'm also not. I have somehow successfully, of all the things that I can't seem to stop reading about in America, the ball family has been something that's been pretty easy for me to turn on and off. There also was a LeVar ball rule this week from the Lakers, which is yes. they are basically limiting access to associates of team if players after games. If you're a guest of the team, so if you're taking, if he's there on Lonzo's ticket, he can't talk to the press. Right. It's all just, like, fascinating to me. And as this this interview will show, he will find a pulpit. Like, there's not much the Lakers can do sure. to hold him back. What we're going to find out, though, is as Lonzo struggles, yes. like, up and down, the impression that I get is that Leangelo was never going to be an NBA player. Right. Like, that there was no They real... never thought he was going to be. It almost seemed like UCLA took him as, like, a favor to, sure. get, to get the other two. Yeah. On, yeah. And then basically. now LaMelo is in question about whether he's going to go to college at all. I just wonder how much this exists off of, like, Lonzo not being, like, a good NBA player yet. Yeah. It's true about, like, with Lonzo and Fultz. Is that the oxygen supply, or is the, does LeVar just provide his own oxygen? Do people lose interest if, if Lonzo is coming off the bench and kind of not playing that much? I will say I definitely find it significantly less fun without Lonzo being good. Mm-hmm. It's more It's a more of a familiar, like, stage parent story. It's with- very strange to watch this rookie class and have the top two picks struggle so so hard while Donovan Mitchell— Jason Tatum. And Jason Tatum are like, Jr. look like sixth-year pros. Yeah. Jason Tatum is like really good. Donovan Mitchell's field goal percentage has gone up like 10% per month. I know. It's nuts. Jason Tatum's like leading the league in three-point percentage. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, we're going to hear from LeVar. And then the reason I had him on was because there's this show called The Fifth Quarter on Verizon Streaming Service. And the um, like director of that show is someone named Michael, who you also— Michael I think Ratner. Michael Ratner. People would recognize from photos— of him with Kendall Jenner and Blake Griffin. And we're going to talk about that right now. All right. And now I've got my good friend, Michael Ratner here. Hello, hello. Hi, Michael. Hi. You are the director and executive producer of The Fifth Quarter, which is a uh, mockumentary show streaming now on Verizon's Go90 service. Yes. And you did 20 episodes. 20 new episodes. 20 new episodes. 32 in total. Um, And you were here last year after season one. Yes. And so like our annual thing. An annual event. Unlike It's kind of like our version of the Masters. Um, Yes. So for people who might have missed last year's because The Ringer was still kind of new, Mm -hmm. they might know you as the sneeze guy. (laughs) I am the sneeze guy. I'm (laughs) the sneeze guy. Or from photos of Kendall Jenner at the Clippers games. Yeah, there have been a couple of those. So one thing I noticed last week, I was checking in on the Daily Mail, one of my favorite publications. You've been upgraded from sneeze guy to a friend to producer and director Michael Ratner. Through some investigative work, it seems as though they've put it together. That's pretty impressive. Thank you. When you see that you're being photographed, do you change what food you're eating? Like, do you go from, like, fries and a candy apple to just having a beverage? Like, how does that affect your experience at the game? You know, I'm not really cut out for this, so <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't ready for it. So I was just eating sushi because I was trying to be healthy. Okay. And then I got just ripped by everybody. Good sushi me. at Staples. Yeah, but I guess just that's faux pas. Eating sushi at a basketball game, I got really—people went after me on that really? one. Yeah, 
I think that's a good look. look. Well, no, you'd be surprised. What's the ideal? What's the ideal basketball food for a paparazzi shot? I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe some chicken fingers. Does anyone from TMZ or the Daily Mail or elsewhere like call you to be like never, never? No. So you don't get any notice when that's no, about I, to go. I out. wake up and I find out I'm the, I'm the sneeze queen. The sneeze queen, and the sneeze queen is from over the summer or something like that. I was sneezing. You were in a car with Blake and Kendall, and there's like a close up of them, and you just happened to be to the left of them, and you're sneezing. I think it was the night we shot, or right about there. Uh huh. And we we're just like eating dinner, and then I, you know, listen, allergy season. <laughs> No good. You you could become the sneeze queen overnight. It's not it's not a good thing. And so no one's like, hey, what's your name? Like no one tries to figure that out. How does the Daily Mail figure that out then? I really don't know. I assume, you know, I think Kendall has a bunch of followers and whatnot, and they probably like figured it out through just like social media. That's the kind of thing I do. And then yeah, I mean, if you go to my social media, like you're gonna know what I do. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to figure out uh, that we have a production company. Got it. You know, I kind of like the sneeze queen thing. Like, which of like the characters in a Kendall Jenner photograph would you like to be the most? Like sneeze queen, sushi guy, other. Like, what's the best? I'd like to be none. None. Yeah. But you're in a lot of them. You guys also, I saw in the Daily Mail that you went to Mr. Chow or Nobu or something in Beverly Hills. Mm, potentially. I really, I, I, I mean, you do know me, so you're yeah. gonna know, I don't really pay like that much attention to this stuff. Uh-huh. I just get text from someone like you being like, how was your meal? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, Did they notice it? Like, is Kendall aware of all I the I think pe- that's her, like, life. It's She's her, been, know. like, in the Petri dish for so long. Yeah. Okay. And so the reason you know her is because you know Blake, who is in the fifth quarter. I actually knew her b- before, but, I mean, I've spent just some time with her, yeah. But, like, you know, out here you, you move out and a lot of people, I mean, you know, like everybody's sure. sort of trying to do the same hustle and you meet people and, I don't know, try to surround yourself with, like, just good people and whatnot. Sure. And when I moved out here three years ago, like, I, we were quickly put in touch just because mm-hmm. we're two, like, young, hungry people. People trying to like make cool stuff. Sure. Um, so you just meet people, and yeah, I think it was around around the time I first got out here. Cool. Met some people, and uh, you meet a lot of like-minded people in, in not only entertainment and making like cool creative stuff now, but definitely into this like sports crossover space too. Cool. So that brings us to the fifth quarter, which is your mockumentary. I survived series. the gossip part. Whew. Yeah, you did seem Whew. uncomfortable in your seat I, because you were I, you just you weren't making eye contact with me, and now you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little more in my element talking about, like, the TV films. Stuff. And I'm more in my element talking about the Daily Mail. Yeah, I know you so, are. So there we go. We're, we're done. We're done. We made it through. You're the Ooh. sneeze guy. I'm the sneeze guy. To, to everyone listening, next time you see a picture of Kendall Jenner, Here's the, the thing. Clippers, I just sneeze. I do sneeze a lot just in general. Maybe you got to get some Zyrtec, my man. Yeah, something. Okay. okay. So you made this mockumentary show, The Fifth Quarter. Yes. And there's been 32 episodes, as you mentioned. And you cast athletes to do, like, short acting bits, basically. Mm-hmm. And so this season has Blake Griffin, it has Joel Embiid, it has uh, Dr. J, Dr. J, Buggy Cousins, Chandler Parsons, Chandler Parsons Courtney your fa- Lee, your favorite, my fave, Courtney Lee, Ahmad uh, Shumpert, John Carlos Stanton, Jason Pierre Paul, and then on on the acting side, it's got everybody from Ed Asner and Judd Hirsch to uh, Marlon Wayans, who we mentioned. I mean, really, kind of like a crazy cast. Sure. And then and then just like staple traditional sports casters like Kenny Maine and um, yeah, he's in a Michelle lot of them. Beadle. Yeah, Kenny's awesome. He's a co-producer on the show this uh, for season two and three. Oh, cool. Yeah. He was so, involved season one, but then I brought him on board to produce this uh, season two. So someone like Blake, what's the pitch to him to get him to be in the show? I pitched him just, I mean, now it was easy because he knew what it was mm-hmm. from season one. But like 
when I pitched him season one, the first episode he did, which was like the Danny Almonte spin, like mm-hmm. spin, I just told him the idea and I knew that he was into comedy and he had done, you know, Just for Laughs and had a production company, Mortal Media, with Ryan Khalil. Right. Uh, and I was like, you know, if I can get a clean shot at just like pitching him, which that's the hard part. Get, sure. Getting him to pick up the call. And I, he heard me at the premiere the other night. I'm like, it's crazy that he picked up like some random guy's call. That's all I was. I was a, r- a random guy and pitched him like just my best pitch as far as like, this is funny. You're in your off season. You like comedy. This is a go show. And he was down. He's like, yeah, cool. let's do it. Um, and then he was awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just you need to just really go and think of something that's funny and fits somebody. And if you do that effectively, like I think a lot of, you know, men and women that play professional sports want to do stuff like this. Yeah. So you just got to get the opportunity in front of them. That's cool. For someone who is like less inclined to doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. like i don't know you got a lot of people who are inclined to being in this who are inclined yeah like yeah. I, like I'm, it can't be very hard to convince Embiid or chandler to do this kind of thing because they're like so open to yeah. being celebrities yeah. not just athletes yeah. but like someone like courtney lee or like john carlos stanton who i know less about admittedly like do you is it helpful to be like we have judd hirsch in this or like what's like the one thing they want to hear to get like, them to do it i think stanton was like pretty into the fact that george lopez mm. uh, had done it cool. and they were actually going to shoot on the same day so it's kind of like catered to your audience yeah and and depending on what the episode's about or who else is in it you know i do think it makes a big difference so you know it depends like you know you got donnell rollings oh my god you know Chappelle show was my favorite show growing up is for certain people and it could be someone like a george lopez like i said you know sure. i think it's all just dependent on who it is and what the idea is but this series now is pretty well known so mm-hmm. it's much 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 easier to cast that's cool uh, and we'll actually have incoming calls now from agencies and players themselves being like i gotta get on that who do you think is the best nba player who isn't on the show already that you'd want to have it? Like, who's, like, your, your dream guest or your dream actor slash athlete? Well, I, I, the episode I'd need to make at some point as a Knicks fan, I would love to do the unknown story of post-Reggie Miller's retirement. He then goes to all Spike Lee's movie premieres and heckles him at the movie premieres. Oh. I just think that'd be awesome. And that was an idea I had, I think, around season one, but it will require some very specific production stuff just given their schedules with you know Reggie now does yeah. commentating and Spike is always on set so it's a hard one to pull off but I think that would be I would love to do that nice yeah. of all the of all the athletes you've played with or worked with who's the best actor other than Blake Blake's like it is we all know Blake is an actor. Blake's really damn good yeah. yeah I was really impressed with Joel oh um, cool you know I, I knew he was funny obviously like through social media and whatnot and we had worked together on a vice project and I would just gotten to know him pretty well but he really impressed me um, he was really really good and you know the episode with him he he plays an office intern trying to get his college credit to graduate college during the summer mm-hmm. I thought he was great Dr. J was surprisingly awesome I'm named for him you're what I'm named for him Dr. J really Juliet is for Julius yeah I, swear to God. I can't tell if you're like messing. No, with I, I swear it's true, 100 true. Are you messing with the sneeze queen? No, I would never mess with the sneeze, <laughs> Don't sneeze, mess queen. With the sneeze queen. Um, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He's my number one. Wow. Um, so you also had Lonzo and Levar Ball on yes. the show. Yes. Explain the episode that they're in. So Marlon Wayans plays an overbearing father who starts recruiting his son to play college basketball at UCLA at seven years old. Mm -hmm. And the balls find that undignified to exploit the son at that age. When I say the balls, really LeVar. And then uh, Lonzo has a cameo as well. Tons of NBA guys are in that episode. Yeah. It's a really fun episode. They do like weigh in quite a bit. It's like pretty amazing how the balls have just taken over NBA culture so quickly. Yeah. I mean, LA provides the opportunity to do that for sure. It's like quite a stage, but they've embraced it and really pulled it off. But I think this episode is really cool because they're so in on the joke, you Uh know, and I think that that's awesome for people to see. Who do you think would be like a more potent foe, Chris Jenner or LeVar Ball? 
Like who wow. who are you more scared of taking on in a fight? Well, Lavar just recently went up against the president. That's true. So that's uh, that's one. Uh, I don't know. Uh, coin flip. Okay. Is that a horrible answer? Dip- it's, it's, I, I was gonna call it diplomatic. I, it, I really, I just don't know. I've I never, think I've, I've never thought of. I need to sleep. I need to take the weekend. I'm more afraid of Chris Jenner. I think she's just been at it this for longer. She's damn good at what she does. And she's got more kids, and she's still managing all. Like she's managing more careers than Lavar. Yeah. So Lavar's managing three. Three. And she's and managing like, five. Yeah. Or has so a you, hand you, in five. You know a lot. You yeah. know a lot more than I do. I, I think she... You're going to be the new sneeze queen. I don't think so. I, As you know, <laughs> I, no, I don't I don't think so. Um, <laughs> we're going to have LeVar on in a second. But first, like, can you just tell me more about the experience of working with them? Yeah, I mean, they've been really awesome and super professional. You don't know exactly what you're going to expect when you, you know, someone's got like that larger than life personality. I yeah. always said he kind of reminds me of like Vince McMahon from WWE. Totally. Like he's like the true showman. But they're awesome and they're down to do this sort of stuff. So like I'm always coming up with these like sort of crazy ideas of how we could bridge that gap, that sports entertainment thing. And they're like perfect. They're also here. They're in LA. Mm-hmm. So I, I really will say like they're, they're class acts as far as, uh, you know, everything we've done together thus far. It's been two projects over the summer and it's, they've been really, really great cool yeah so like how do you first initiate getting the ball family involved i just worked with them already on the kevin hart show oh cool so i think without that it would have been really difficult to pitch them on that but i i I had them on the kevin hart thing that we did that's coming out in january what is that it's like between two ferns but with athletes got it so Kevin kevin hart hosting and it's really fun it takes place in ice baths so it's players recovering like after a game and then Kevin's freezing. And it's the only time that the athlete is more comfortable than like the comedian, right? Sure. So it's it's pretty funny. So anyway, we had LeVar on and the episode set up. Kevin thinks he's getting Lonzo and uh-huh. then LeVar just shows up. Oh, nice. So that's, yeah. So, but it was just LeVar and that. But then I got to know them a bit and I told them, you know, we do tons of the sports comedy stuff out here. And he's, you know, we'd love to be a part of that. So then I think we were shooting fifth quarter, maybe like two weeks after that. So I said, hey, why don't you guys be a part of this So we already had Marlon Wayne's in it. Uh-huh. It was already like all set. And I was like, this will just elevate the episode to such a new extreme just because like the dichotomy of what LeVar is normally like in his like day-to-day persona and whatnot versus the character obviously which you saw the episode where he's like condemning Marlon so it was really fun and and the two of them together was awesome what was their vibe like when they weren't on camera Lonzo and LeVar I mean Lonzo's pretty like mellow Mm -hmm. like that's all and and that's real he's mellow oh yeah yeah he was he was mellow but he was you know when we were ready to roll he was good did he Um, roll his eyes at LeVar when directed to, but like, no, like, they, I mean, it was, they, they had like, obviously they had great chemistry, but like they got in and, and we talked about the scene and whatnot. They're in a few episodes that they're, they're, oh, they are? they're featured obviously in that one. Like they're a big part. They're sort of like the B storyline to Marlon. Um, but no, they, they, I mean, his dad, Lavar is like a big character, obviously, sure. but it's toned down when the cameras aren't rolling, but then like they come on and he's ready to roll. How many people do they show up with on set? They came in like one of those big vans because they, they live in um, Chino Hills. Yeah, Chino Hills, exactly. So they came in like one of those big like sprinter vans. And I think it was it was LeVar, Alonzo, uh, Allen, who worked big baller brands, and maybe like one other, but it's not like a huge like group of people. Was wow. he like, was LeVar like bombastic? Like, what was like, was he asking a lot of questions or like, does he try to say hi to everyone? Yeah, he's just like a good guy. Yeah, he, he is. He really is. And I remember he took every bit of direction perfectly, both of them. Uh-huh. They really were. You know, we did a few takes of everything, but the one thing he wouldn't do was there's a joke in the script about how 
Marlon Wayne's character stole everything from LeVar Ball, which uh-huh. you, you saw. And he says, even my mustache. And, Mar- and Marlon has this big fake mustache on. So I was directing Lonzo and LeVar, and I said, to, there's some line about the mustache. And LeVar goes, you know, what did he say about my mustache? And I said to Lonzo, improv, I go, hey, tug on your dad's mustache. Tug on LeVar's mustache mm-hmm. and say this thing's real, unlike, you know, uh, Romar Jones, which is Marlon's character. And then uh, LeVar just went, absolutely not. He's not doing that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I was like, all good, all good. And like Lonzo. So the mustache La- off limits. Lonzo, Lonzo mu- mustache off limits. So Lonzo just like dropped his uh, head in his hands like laughing. So, you know, there, it, basically anything was fair game besides Interesting. tugging on the mustache. Did you ask them, like, do you pepper them with questions? Like when you work with these people, like, do you fan out at all? Because I would. It'd be hard for me not to. No. I would I, do the work first. I think I'm so then... laser focused on getting what we need. Because it's always a bit, with like athletes, it's it's a bit of like a rush always. Uh-huh. You know, like it's not their core job. Like they're not actors. And also there's a lot of waiting around when we shoot. Sure. So it's not like you show up, you practice, you know, like do you warm ups like, and you're in, in the game. Out. No, you're, it's like a whole, or there's a, please hold, like this camera went out. We need a battery. This yeah. light's out. Like, so there's a lot of sitting around. So I'm always pretty focused on getting what we need. When we're done shooting, no, because I'm so focused on getting them in the next thing. And I feel like if you fan out too much, there's like a weird line, you know? Yeah, totally. It could like make them uncomfortable yeah. or something. And also like contrary to popular belief, like amongst our friends. Sure. Um, now everybody knows we're good friends. Uh, I'm like not the craziest basketball fan. Sure. Like you know more than I do. <laughs> yes, like you'll I think, tell me things. I'll be like, what? I, think I do. It's about like true. people I'm actually friends with, and I'll be like, no way. Like, oh, good for him. I'm going to tell them. Like, good sure. job on your game last night. I just, I, I'm, I'm like a casual basketball fan. Got it. So or, you, and like not really a football fan. I'm not really yeah. either. That's yeah. okay. That's okay. Did Lonzo like have good manners? Like, I'm just so curious. Like, he's so polished in front of the camera. Like, in every interview, I'm just like curious about what he's actually like. Yeah. Yes. All it's all like real. Like well, he was just like well-mannered and super respectful and, and, and into it and like delivered. I mean, he's got some really good lines in that thing. Yeah, he does. I think, I think he's got one of the best lines of the series. Obviously, the, the last line of that episode when he talks about all the, all the events that sure. Marlon's character missed. Also, like his deadpan kind of style, which it's is awesome. default, is, go, is like good well, the, for comedy. The, I really wanted them and when I saw that Foot Locker commercial. Do you remember yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously the Kevin Hart thing, like, started our relationship doing stuff like this. But then I saw that and I was like, oh, they could kill this. And having the two of them together made it that much better. Because then basically my direction was after each line, you two should stare at each other in the eyes. And that just, like, made them break. Like, they would die laughing. <laughs> so basically LeVar would say something, like, crazy. And then they both stare at each other. And then they, I'd, I'd tell them to hold. And then one of them would, like, break and start just laughing. Let's hear what LeVar has to say about being on the show. Cool. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking the time today. Hey, okay. So uh, we want to talk about the fifth quarter and also the show that you do with Kevin Hart. Was acting always in the mix for you and Lonzo? Well, not really in the mix. That's just what we do. We can act all day. (laughs) (laughs) How do you decide what projects are right for you then? Any project is right for us. Really? The floodgates are going to open after this. <laughs> anything we decide to do and we feel like doing it and we got time for it, man, we good at it. Is there anything you would say no to at this point? I say no to a lot of things. <laughs> if I don't have time or if I don't feel like it, then I'll say no. What's the most recent offer, like a, a professional offer that you've rejected? What's the professional? I don't know if it's professional or not. It's just if they ask me to come on some shows or something, I'll usually go ahead and do them. Oh, I haven't said no to anything. Is acting something you guys like doing together? Sure, it's fun. Doing it together is even more fun, but it's just acting. It's just entertainment. 
Okay. Yeah, the the two of them together also. Like I directed Lavar and Kevin Hart, and I was just amazed because Lavar went toe to toe to him with him right off the bat, and obviously that's what Kevin does every single day. And they just had an amazing chemistry. And then I think it was only like two weeks later, right, Lavar, when we did the fifth quarter stuff with Lonzo, and again the scene back and forth and whatnot. Lavar really could turn it on, and he, and he could take direction really well too. Yeah. Between your other two sons, who is the better actor? Between my other two sons, I, I think they're all actors. You just got to get them in the right moment. Okay. So there's no there's no opportunity that we could really rule out for them or for you right now? No. Okay. Can we talk about the Lakers for a couple minutes? We sure can. We can talk to anything you want to talk about. We on the phone. Let's go. <laughs> Amazing. Um, How do you guys feel about Kuzmania that's taken over in L.A.? Kuzmania? Yeah, the Kyle Kuzma fans. What? Oh, I think that's a good thing. Anybody that's on the Lakers and they got some fans behind them, I'm good. I like that. All right. I like Kyle Kuzma, too. I'm glad we're on the same page. Okay. Have you heard from the president in the last couple of weeks since you were last on <laughs> CNN? I haven't heard. He hasn't called me on my home phone. <laughs> if he did, would you pick up? If he called on my home phone, I would pick up. I call anytime. I pick up when y'all call. <laughs> That's right. It's <laughs> That's true. That's true. Whoever t- calls my home, I'm picking up. Taking calls from anyone. Yes. How did you? How did you first find out that he tweeted about you and was talking about you? I first found out he tweeted about me when I was on the way to one of my son's games. And then some reporter called me and asked me, and he said, did you respond on what Trump said? And I said, I don't know what he said. And then he read it to me. Were you offended? Offended for what? No. I'm not offended. It's got to be a pretty shocking phone call when you pick up and they say, hey, did you know the president of the United States just tweeted about you? Yeah. No, it's not a shocking phone call. Like I said, <laughs> when, when, when you're at a certain level, anybody would call you, you shouldn't be amazed at nothing. That's fair. Okay. I figure it's entertainment. He's probably an entertainer, too. You thought he wanted some big baller brand stuff. He probably he wanted, wanted, he wanted the ZO2s. I mean, you can't blame the guy. That's what I'm talking about. I know he wanted them ZO2s, That's but he tried to do cover like he was wanting something else. <laughs> if he invited you to the White House, would you go? If he invited me to the White House, and if he had some Roscoe's chicken and waffles, I might come. But if he's doing the cooking, I ain't coming. I need somebody that know how to cook there if he's going to invite me to the White House. So Fair point. only if it's good food. Yeah, I want some good food. I'm not coming there to do no talking. I come to eat dinner first and then talk. Is there any truth to his claims that he helped get your son back to the U.S.? There's no truth. I told you guys all that a long time ago. Okay. That's what he made the big deal about. Right. What did Leangelo think about all the attention? Leandro, he don't think nothing about this stuff. I mean, he's just going along with his life now. It's a situation that happened. He made a bad decision. Now, that's that's over with. We're over here doing what we do now. Do you have any sense of when he'll be playing again? When he'll be playing again for, you're talking about for who? As far as just playing, playing? He's going to play tomorrow. Oh, okay. Great. But it ain't going to be for the school or nothing like that. But he ain't going to stop working on his game. Yeah. Do you know when he'll be back with UCLA? Do I know when he'll be back to UCLA? Yeah, playing for the team. Yeah, I do know. Are you allowed to say? Am I allowed to say? Yeah. Sure, I'll say. You asking me? Never. Okay. How's that? Okay. That, hmm. that is uh, emphatic. Exactly. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, LeVar. Hey, you guys are more than welcome. You guys have a good one. Thanks. Appreciate it. All righty. Bye. Leangela Ball, potentially never playing with UCLA ever again. Yeah, I did not expect to hear that just now. but um, I think we might be breaking news on this podcast. Yeah, the fifth quarter is available. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of crazy. I don't... Uh, I could, Wow. Michael, thanks so much for coming. I love doing this. Thanks for bringing LeVar with you via yeah. phone. Yeah. And we'll uh, keep an eye out for the rest of your work. Thank you, Juliet. Thanks for listening to Sources Say. I'm Juliet Littman. Me and Chris Ryan will be back in two weeks. Tomorrow, you've got the NBA group chat with Chris Ryan and friends. And you can catch me every Monday morning with John Gonzalez for the Monday Heat Check. Thanks again for listening. Yeah. <laughs>